This episode is brought to you by Harris Resort SoCal. Nestled against a rolling hillside and just down the road from Palomar Mountain, guests at Harris Resort SoCal can expect gorgeous views, friendly staff, available night and day to encourage everyone to have a great time. When I was there recently, I had a chance to dine at California's first and the nation's largest house kitchen. And it's true, the beef wellington and sticky toffee dessert are great. The restaurant is inspired by the hit TV show and features a menu approved by the Michelin star celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay himself. Hope to see you all at Harris Resort SoCal in 2024. I'm Ben Wynn. I am a professional MMA fighter, ex-UFC fighter, current Ryzen fighter. You might know me from the famous YouTube video of the guy with the tattoos gets into my face at the weigh-ins and then tries to act tough. And then the next scene, I knock him out. I'm Vietnamese and uh, I really enjoy fighting. It's my passion. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Wynn. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today, comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over the world. Uh, what does it mean to be Vietnamese to you? Being Vietnamese to me, I feel like it's a, it's a sense of pride for me. Just to, uh, I feel like I, I'm, you know, a lot different, more like special. I'm a professional athlete, which um, uh, in, in like bigger sports uh, are, are kind of rare to come across. So I feel like I'm, I'm pretty special in that sense of professional athlete. I represent, you know, many countries and one of them is my, you know, my uh, native country of Vietnam. So uh, I feel really prideful in that, that I can represent Vietnamese people. One of the purest forms of sport, which is um, mixed martial arts. Yes, indeed. You know, um, you, you touch upon a, a subject that I've been exploring lately with the, a few of my guests is this. Um, you say represent Vietnam, right? If you ever went to fight for Vietnam as a country, like who are we supposed to cheer for? <laughs> the, which flag? I, and I, you know, I know. I'm, I'm not asking for an answer. I'm just rhetorically asking this question because it comes up now and again, and I'm like, I got to start asking my athlete guests to to ponder that, right? And I don't know if you are at that stage in your career where you are fighting for Vietnam or will fight for Vietnam yeah. or train kids that will come out of Vietnam to fight for for Vietnam. But then what flag are we, you know, what flag are we representing now? Yeah, that's a tough question. And uh, I, I tried to not get the flags involved and more represent i guess the culture of Viet vietnamese people like i just want to represent the people of vietnam and it doesn't matter if you know you're living in vietnam uh you immigrated there from there um i just feel like uh we should try to focus on representing the culture instead of you know two political sides of it which can get really messy. Yeah, it can. But but I, <laughs> I imagine like if you're if you're coaching somebody and some kid like rises to the very top and he's wearing like the star flag, you know, uh, yeah. and I'm at home in my in my um, living room in LA with like 30 other Vietnamese people, we're confused, right? It <laughs> we, is. It's, it's so confusing nowadays. It's super confusing, and uh, I, yeah, I, it, it it's. I don't think we should try to pick a side. I think we should we should all be on the same side. You know, yeah. we should all be we're the 
we're Vietnamese culture. We're, you know, no, one like... culture in many different countries, countries and cultures and stuff. So why why do we have to be split into two and you know come together and just be one? It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. So how how did your parents um, come to the United States? Uh, so uh, my parents uh, left Vietnam, um, I think, in the mid '80s, and um, they left with my two older sisters uh, on a boat, uh, and they kind of just drifted out to sea. And um, they, I think, they had the engine troubles and stuff like that. So like they were basically like literally like drifting and um a, a fishing boat like found them broken down and kind of got them got them some help got the whole boat some help and uh they ended up in the philippines for a few months and um i think they were there for like six months something like that and uh basically they were waiting for a spot to open up in america um to um they're waiting for like a, a family to kind of take them in and um sponsor uh our family to kind of get them you know acclimated to western culture um stuff like that so um the very first spot that opened up was like in south dakota middle of nowhere right <laughs> this less than less than a million people in the entire state the entire state has less than one million people. So, is that, is that where you were born? I was born. Yeah, I was born in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Born and bred. And what, what, um, what was it like um, growing up Vietnamese in in Sioux Falls? <laughs> it's funny because uh, I sometimes when when I think back to when I was growing up in Sioux Falls, I didn't really. I didn't really know I was Vietnamese. I was like, I just kind of like, for, I knew it was Vietnamese. I just forgot. Like you just, you just surrounded by, you know, the same people over and over, you know, it's mo mainly Caucasian people out there. So you just kind of uh, forget that you are, you know, a different culture. And um, I don't know. I just felt like I, I grew up, I kind of just, I grew up in um, like this, just in like a normal Western. But but uh, don't you get reminded because there's not a whole lot of people that look like you and me, right? Yeah, yeah. It's funny, yeah, because uh, you'll see another Asian, like even another Asian, and you're like, oh, wow, another, who's that guy? But like you literally know, yeah, you literally know in town, like every Vietnamese people, person in the town. So um, yeah, the community is quite close and um there's not many of us so like uh you know the, we we get together for you know church church uh meetups and stuff like that but like um yeah you knew everyone every vietnamese person in town almost every asian person in town so <laughs> did you yeah. grow up playing sports yeah, I um I I played basketball in middle school and in high school I played uh football. I wasn't very, you know, big. I wasn't like a massive player, so uh I didn't I didn't play much, but um I think my junior and senior year in high school um no, my senior year in high school, I was like, you know what? Like I'm um I'm, I'm too small, too small for 
uh, football. I'll just go into, um, it's my last year in high school. I'm just going to go out with a bang. So I joined the cheerleading squad and um, got to hang out with the girls. <laughs> that is and, cool. That's such a, a really yeah. cool story. Um, what what did you do on a cheerleading squad? So what yeah, what we experienced like. Yeah, so um, the experience was was quite fun. You know, it was really different um, because you know, as a as a male cheerleader, you you you, um, you get made made fun of a lot. You know, people thought I was gay, or whatever, yeah. but. Uh, you kind of just have to put that aside as like, you know, I'm, I'm hanging out with the girls, you know, I get to like, I get to like prop these girls up and like, and um, hang out with them and stuff and um, go to like all the games and, you know, yeah. be in front of the crowd and sharing, like you get all this energy and stuff. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun being out there and just got to put all the insults to the side and, and just have fun it was my last year of high school so yeah. i just wanted to like do something new i was like i was done trying to like try to fit into like a mold i wanted to like do something cool and that, i felt like it was different a, a cool story cool aspect about about who you are um i yeah. can see that uh that sort of formative um spirit um is probably and it's just a guess that i'm making right an assumption that you know that performative you know being out there and what you just said about the crowds getting you yeah um, yeah 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 just being out there in the crowd you know getting the crowd going and stuff um yeah i guess it was like probably one of my first experiences being in front of such large crowds until i started doing fighting and stuff so it's probably actually a good thing to um, get used to you know, being out there in front of people. You um, have said in interviews that you started training at uh, 12. Yep. What what got you into that? Who who took you to yeah. that? Yeah, so um, I, got, I got bullied in middle school. Um, and uh, my mom uh, decided to put me into Taekwondo. She knew... A guy that worked at her same, her same like factory, that taught martial arts at, a, at inside of a, a basement of a church gymnasium. It was like, like this super secret like Fight Club thing. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> um, so I I went in and started learning Taekwondo and stuff, and that really kind of like boosted up my confidence. And what was it? Um, a just as, guy that taught you. No, no, it was um Canadian guy, Canadian Italian dude, mm -hmm. um by the name of uh Sam. Was Sam any <laughs> so, good? Um, hey, was what he was, that? was was Sam any good? Yeah, oh, he was awesome, man. So um he he was uh he taught me he was a very like non-traditional taekwondo, you know, you do in non-traditional you don't really do much fighting or sparring. You you can, but like um Sam taught me more like kickboxing, sparring stuff. So I really got, I really established like punching and kicking and striking like at such an early age that I felt like it gave me a huge advantage going forward into my MMA career because um, I just picked up on everything really quick. Like I was able to um, use my body uh, really 
I had really good coordination after doing Taekwondo because, you know, you, you're balancing on one foot and like kicking like 50 times. Right. So yeah. um, uh, my balance and stuff uh, really shot up there and yeah, it just set everything up for me really, really good. Just because in MMA, you're learning all these different skills, you know, all these different um, moves and techniques. So you're doing so many crazy things with your body. Like you got to be able to, to use your body, like body dexterity is such a, like a hard thing to, to learn. Like you think about it, but, and it seems easy when you look at it, it looks easy, but like when you go out and try to do it and it's, it's, it's a, it's a lot harder than you think. So, yeah. and, and is it harder than you think? Because physically it's harder to coordinate your, your body and your mind or is it because there's so many chess moves like when you're about to approach a, a really quick situation and you can't react quick enough? Yeah, both. So it's 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 having to do you're having to do like 10 different things in like a split second. So it's such a high learning curve uh, to be able to do like, say, let's do let's say like a triangle choke, like doing it. Well, like you're choking someone with your legs, um, you know, you got a position, you got to get it just right. Right. So um, there's so many like different adjustments and to do it really well, it's, um, it's quite a challenge because you got to do everything. You gotta do like a hundred different things all in like a split second. Now, when you were 12 and you got bullied and you got beat up um, and you went and did this Taekwondo training with Sam, did it, did it help you? I mean, did kids come after you and you were able to really do something about it? Um, I think what it, I didn't, I didn't have too much trouble like growing up after getting bullied, but like, I, um, I think what it did for me was like boost my confidence. So like people around me, they knew like I was, I, I wasn't like this shy kid anymore. Like I was like, I was, I was like coming out of my shell and, um, uh, I wasn't as vulnerable as, as I was when I didn't know anything. I didn't, you know, I didn't have any um, hobby or passion to kind of drive my life at that time. So um, when I found martial arts, it was like, uh, I, I felt like I had learned like superpowers, like all these like secret superpowers and stuff. So like, I felt like I, I, um, uh, had so much more confidence after that, like knowing that, you know, I could defend myself at any time. And, um, I had like a passion in, and, um, a skill that I was working towards like every day. So, um, I had like some sort of direction in my life at that time. So it, it, yeah, it was good. It was, it, it definitely like boosts my confidence and I highly recommend it to anyone, um, wanting to get into martial arts that has like low self-esteem or, um, it's getting bullied and stuff because and, and it keeps you out of trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well, at 12, I mean, how many times did you get beat up before you went and had? Oh, it was like a couple times, you know. It, it, it didn't take much. Uh, it was mainly like, um, you know, uh, kids just saying, um, like, I had like, uh, I like this girl that would come up to me and say, like, oh, you bombed Pearl Harbor and stuff. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> I was like, man, at the time I was like, it wasn't like, it didn't hit me that hard, but I was like, I was kind of 
wasn't proud to be Asian or Vietnamese yeah. at the time. Yeah, especially so, um, I can't imagine Sioux Falls, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, when everyone is Caucasian, but um yeah. It's all good now. Yeah. And you you um you get motivated from that whatever happens and and you know, train harder and go harder, right? Yeah, train harder and you know, I just I nothing really matters to me anymore. Like I just it's like I don't really get angry. Like I, I've never been in like a, in a altercation outside of the ring. Like I've never had to fight like outside the ring, but there was this one time when I was at, I was, was celebrating win after a fight. <laughs> and uh, my friend, he got into some trouble where he was like, some guy was like getting to his face. And I was like, uh, and he was a fighter as well. And, um, this is like out in the dance floor or something. And um, it was like two, two big groups, like our big group and their big group were like converging into two. And I was like trying to stop the fight. So like, I, um, I like jumped into the middle of the two, two crowds. And then like, I got punched in the face, um, which is funny because like the, the fight I was celebrating, I didn't get touched in that <laughs> fight whatsoever. And then I go out to the Valley and then <laughs> this was the a sucker punch. Was it Pretty much, yeah. I just I just jumped in there and then I got like clocked. I was like, "What?" <laughs> I kind of like I was like, "What?" But I was, like surprised. Have you ever gotten clocked like that before? Not out in the street, but like I've you know I've obviously yeah I've 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 gotten like hit like many times in fighting, but out in the street never got like <laughs> clocked like that. Yeah, like, just randomly. <laughs> and then how did they break up the fight? And the security like started jumping in and it was like we got kicked out and stuff. But it's like it wasn't our fault. Um so when you were coming up uh as you were training, um, that's not the career path that you wanted at twelve, right? Or 14, 15 years old. I mean, what did you want to do with your life? Uh at twelve? Oh man. I I don't I don't know. I d I don't know if i if i had a plan at that time but um i i guess um when i was like more closer to 18 um i was i was i was leaning i was gonna like going to go to school which i did like i, I went to college and stuff and I, I was gonna go become an engineer so i was like uh, i was going down that path of um, university and which which I did go to one year of college. I just knew it wasn't for me. Uh, I um, I dropped out pretty much to become a cage fighter. Yeah. What what was the moment where you were like, or what led up to that moment? Well, cause so I did my one year in college, and then um, you know, I got home, spent the summer, and then I spent the summer at home, and then I I was uh, at that time I was. I really I found like an MMA gym, like an actual MMA gym that taught like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Muay Thai, and that's and when I started that's training that's like all these different martial arts. And I was like, man, this is really fun. Like I could see myself doing this forever. I loved it. And um, fall came up, and I kind of let like the the student registration, the you know class registrations, kind of kind of slipped by i was like oh, i just kind of 
I just kind of like pushed it off and, and um, yeah, I basically didn't register for next year. And then I didn't tell my parents, which at the time uh, probably wasn't a good idea. <laughs> and um, they figured out that I wasn't going to school and <laughs> they, they got really upset. Like I almost got disowned uh, by my, by my parents. How did that conversation uh, go down? Oh man. I mean, how'd they even figure out that you were going to, you were not going to school? Well, so the, the school I was going to is like an hour away. So, um, I would have stayed, you know, out, out there. So, um, I, they figured out like by me, not pretty much like going to school, like not moving away and going to school and stuff I'm like, why, why are you so, why are you, why are you supposed to be going to school? And, um, yeah, it was basically like, me watching jujitsu videos on tv and and just watching like all these different instructionals like trying to get myself better and um I'm going to training like two three times a day and they i think they figured out like oh you're not going to school and she get a job and stuff <laughs> okay so, so what, did, what did that conversation go down like they sat you down and said we're not happy with this decision i mean you have to go back to school and how did you reply oh man it's hard um i'm trying to think back i think it was it wasn't like a sit down like all right what are you going to do with your life it was more like oh uh, you're not going to school this year uh, okay you you must be just taking a break and then uh you know a year would pass by and i was like still at home still <laughs> training <laughs> like uh ben um what are you he must be taking another year like he's gonna have to start paying his school loans soon and stuff and um yeah i think um i think that's when i got a full-time job at best buy and uh, i was working for like the the geek squad you know i had like the tie the, yeah, yeah. the black tie and stuff like that and um you know driving around to people's houses and um they're pretty, pretty happy, happy that i I was going down that road. Like I had like a full, like getting a full-time job, you know, uh, uh, is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I, I feel like they were pretty content with that. And then um, uh, I think it was like around tw in my early twenties. Uh, and then I got the call out to go out to Thailand to, um, to go try out for like this, uh, this fight team at tiger muay thai so uh, i was like oh man do i like drop everything to go like to go and do this because like i i uh, i just got like this full-time job you know i'm climbing the corporate ladder and stuff and um I'm making decent coin so um uh i was like but but like what if i was like in my head like what if like i do make this team and you know it does propel me like but but then again, I was thinking, you know, what if I don't make the team? What if like I get, I get injured or whatever, you know, it's, it's like out in Thailand, middle of nowhere. And um, so I, uh, I knew I couldn't like, couldn't let that slip past me because I didn't want to like grow up and think back on that time when I had this opportunity to do something and um i couldn't let it slip by so i pretty much dropped everything i i quit my job i sold everything that i had my car motorcycle and then i pretty much like 
went over to Thailand, tried tried out for the team, and actually made the team. And um, that's pretty much like the 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 time when I made the decision. Like this is this is it. Like I'm pretty much like a full time fighter now. Up up and, until uh, that point, though, did you have any thoughts of being a pro fighter? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, so I fought a lot in this, in, you know, around South Dakota, Midwest and stuff. And, um, uh, I, I was having a little bit of success, but, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't like getting where I wanted to be. So that's when I kind of shifted my focus away from fighting to into going into working for Best Buy yeah no can i ask you something um what can you do to prepare yourself when you're like 19 years old and you want to fight i mean you come yeah. to a small town and you're fighting on these small town circuits right uh what do you how do you get how do you get to the next level how, like yeah dream of becoming an mma fighter yeah so that's a good question um it all it all comes down to like your your team that you f you start to follow so um it's all about finding the right people that are going to help you uh propel you into your into your fight career so uh you just uh, when when i found my team it was just like a like a small group of people that uh, you know one guy he trained Muay Thai like in Minneapolis and like um, this other guy, he, he trains uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, wherever, wherever. And um, yeah, it's just all finding, uh, finding the right team and um, um, your coaches and stuff are going to help you, uh, uh, you know, find amateur fights. And that's where you, you, you start off is like you, you start out doing the like the smaller fight shows and then you kind of just start building your record and um, you you uh, you get to a point where you um, need to find like an agent like a, like a promoter or an agent that will help you get fights in like the next tier of, of fighting. So those like mid tier shows like shows aren't are are pretty big but then they're not like the ufc yeah. or bellator or whoever um they're like that mid in that middle like they're pretty big shows but they're just you know not as big and then you you fight a bit in the, in those shows and then and then um from there it's just yeah it's just getting the name out and um fighting a lot and being at the right place at the right time man yeah. that's what it's all and, about and all this time are you having conversations with your mom and dad about <laughs> uh i try i try to keep that at a minimum uh they're like uh the whole time i think before i got into ufc they were like ben like why do you keep doing this fighting stuff there's no money in it blah 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 you know i don't want to see you get hurt and then when i did get into the ufc and I won my first fight. I remember picking up the phone to my mom. I was like, oh, man, we saw you on TV. Awesome. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> do, they, 
do they know how big the UFC is? is, is that oh yeah, oh, not now. Now they do. Yeah, now now they had no idea what it was before. But like when I got in, and then like their friends and uh, our family friends explained to them, "Hey, look, UFC is like like at the very top. Um, you should be very proud." And um, getting that phone call, getting the acceptance from my parents, uh, I remember that vividly. Was like one of the best moments of my life because mm -hmm. I could finally like put that to rest like they finally accept who I am now <laughs> and from that point on it was complete acceptance yeah uh, yeah for sure uh, it's funny because my mom if we go and if we like jump into like a taxi she, she'll she be like to the taxi driver hey do you know my son uh, UFC <laughs> I'm like mom leave this guy alone he just wants to take us he just wants to do his job <laughs> like my mom like brags about me all the time now it's hilarious <laughs> completely contrasts of what she was before yeah, before yeah. oh my gosh <laughs> how, how many kids do does she have how many siblings did your your family have you have uh i have got two older sisters and then one younger brother is uh yeah, your so younger they, brother they all live in the united states still yeah so uh my two older sisters are still in sioux falls and then my younger brother lives in denver and is your anybody into the fight game or? Oh, uh, my brother, my 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 little brother is. Uh, he does like Muay Thai, and I think he does a little bit of Jiu Jitsu, but yeah, I think mainly he does um, Muay Thai. Is yeah. he training professionally? Uh, not not as like a not as a professional. He's he's not like he's he he's a he's a car dealer at a casino. Funny yeah. enough, yeah. But he doesn't have any hopes of. Uh... No, I don't think so. No. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like amateur, but like, no. So when when you're okay, when you're training in Sioux Falls, right, as a young man, and you're thinking about you're having these ambitions, do you realize that there's like other things that like at what point do you realize like there's other branches, there's other disciplines that you have to branch out into and train into? Yeah, so my first fight, uh, I went in, I pretty much knew nothing but Taekwondo. Uh, I had like, I got my black belt. I, I, I pretty much like showed up one day. I was like, I'm gonna fight. And um, I got paired up against like this big wrestler dude. I pretty much like took me down and like choked me out. As I had no ground skill, you know, I had wow. no idea how to wrestle. And and before uh, you before you fought that guy, did you even know that you needed that skill? No, no. I thought I was like I was like I thought I was like king black shit. Belt. I was like, <laughs> man, I'm a black belt. I'm gonna go and clean these guys up. Shit. And um, I got I got humbled quick, bro. So and that was man, your that was your first fight. Yeah, that was my first fight. Yeah. Wow. And you had no idea up. that there's other no things happening in the universe. You're just like, oh, I'm a black belt taekwondo. I'm gonna do this. Pretty much, yeah. I thought I was like, man, I it's like, man, I could take on world, man. I got, I can kick anyone's ass, and um, I thought I was like this badass. But did uh, you before? I mean, Taekwondo on Taekwondo, did you kick some butt? Not really. I did like a couple tournaments, but that was it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I was young and dumb. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. Like, How old were you uh, for that first fight? Eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah, I'm you know, right? old enough to get into the cage. <laughs> 
it was funny because like it's out it's, it was out in like the fairgrounds so like where they they um show cattle yeah. you know about so like a little bit yeah yeah but they, they, they go around with the, the cattle and they like they judge them whatever so like it was like one one of those buildings where they set up a cage and you show up and you pretty much fight like all right you you gotta fight this guy oh, so it's like not like random yeah, exactly. Completely random. No, those are the days. or anything, right? Yeah, it was just like it. It, it was. It was just pro. Like, what? It shouldn't have been like a professional fight, but like, yeah. It. I don't know. Like it. It was very um dodgy. Yeah, very dodgy. So, so he took you down quickly, and at eighteen, you come home, and then the light bulb goes off, and you're like, okay, wait a minute. I think I need to do a few more. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I uh, I was like, all right, I need to find uh, a coach that can teach me how to grapple, and I found um a judo coach that, you know, I actually started in judo as my first grappling art. In um, judo is just a little bit different than Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which everyone knows now in terms of like MMA fighting, grappling. It's just. The, the emphasis is just different. So judo is more throwing, like you throwing, like taking a guy standing and then like throwing them to the ground. Um, and then, you know, there'll be grapples on the ground really quick. Um, so it's more focused on the throws where Brazilian jiu-jitsu is more focused on like the actual grappling on the ground. So like laying down on the ground and like doing all these crazy moves and stuff. So that was my first art in grappling. And then, um, I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu after that, and then Muay Thai, and then I was like, man, I really love doing this, I really love, because MMA is not just the one discipline, it's like so many different disciplines, yeah. um, and, and so it keeps everything really interesting, and there's always something to work on and get better at. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's such a fun sport to do. Uh, how many branches, how many actual sports do you think like if I was to be like 15 and I'm like, I want to be an MMA cage fighter. What would you say to, to start focusing on in the next 10 years? <laughs> I'd say, uh, so the two disciplines you should know is probably know how to wrestle. So wrestling, like actual, like wrestling, like, co like high school or college wrestling, like Greco Roman wrestling. Yeah, like freestyle. Yeah, freestyle wrestling or yeah, uh and and boxing. So oh. if you know those two, you're Amazing. pretty much solid. If you're good at wrestling and you can box, you're a pretty solid fighter, man. Yeah. But yeah, like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is great as well. It's just it's almost sometimes too focused on like the 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 locks and stuff yeah. like that. But um that and Muay Thai is good. Yeah, Muay Thai is always fun. That's like four or five. It's boxing, uh, <laughs> no. freestyle, uh, wrestling, yeah. jiu um, Muay Thai. Muay Thai, yeah. So if you know those four, you're like... Unstoppable. Unstoppable. Yeah. Unstoppable. If you're really good at those four, killer. And that's something I'm I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at the, I'm all no, four of those. Yeah, and, and did they grow... Did they grow in conjunction with each other, or did one you know you were really good at one and then you slowly started to build the mm -hmm. other three? 
So I, I grew up with the Taekwondo background. So my striking, I, kn- I was more known for my striking. I still am pretty known for my striking, just from like that stupid YouTube video where I knocked out that tattoo guy. Um, <laughs> and I, I generally do like striking more than, well, I don't like it more. Like I just, I'm just better at it. Yeah. I'm just better at like punching people than choking people out. Um, I do have a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well. Oh, wow. That's yeah. an accomplishment, right? How long did that take? Uh, I got it uh, like 11, 12 years into doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That took 12 years. And were you like consistently showing up um, for training or was it like you had breaks in between and stuff? Uh, I was consistently training. It was just I was moving around the world too much that i wasn't sticking with like the one coach uh to kind of see my growth because it's getting your black belt isn't just about being skillful in jujitsu in a certain aspect it's more about how you grow as a person so when yeah yeah it's all about like discipline and growth well it should be and um so if you're not with the same coach the entire time, it's really hard to judge their growth. And then when I settled in Australia, uh, I was I was here for uh, four about six years, and then I got my black belt. So I was here for like six solid years, and then you know performing at a pretty high level. Um, I was at the UFC that in that time, and then. I got my brown belt and my black belt by the same coach. So my last two belts I got were um, here in Australia. This is a question I always think of, um, like these belts, right? Like mm-hmm. all belts are not created equal, right? All yeah forms of these belts are not equal. But I have a feeling for the most part, though, the jiu-jitsu belt is probably the most worthy. Am I wrong or... Am I way off on that? It's hard to say because without doing the different arts, it's uh, like I I would say yes, but I I don't want to be ignorant and and um and say that without knowing the different arts and and uh, but yeah, it is generally the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt is like the most respected because it just takes a long time to get in to master okay and then when when you say that does that mean it takes a long time to master because there's so much to remember or does your it takes years of your body to acclimate to the movement yeah just there's so many different moves and there's so many different moves and and knowing and being able to do all those moves well and combine those moves together uh, is probably the hardest part Um, because there's so many like different movements and you just know when you're grappling with a black belt and when you're not because they they just black belts just do everything sharp and just do their the body moves in such a efficient manner that you just know that 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 guy's a black belt yeah for sure and Um, so do you Go ahead. any black belt that has a jujitsu black belt like 
is not at the level of like the international standard? Is that ever the case? You ever um, that? Some yeah, all the time, man. You Ew. see like you see these fake black belts and stuff, and yeah, there is there is like a standard in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu where uh, if if you're not actually a black belt you get found out pretty quick because oh, the mat doesn't lie <laughs> mat doesn't lie like i said man it's just when you roll with someone good you just know like they're good like oh wow like just just by like going in like you know first encounter like whoa this guy's this guy's dangerous <laughs> Yeah, and and we as lay people, civilians, we don't think about those things, right? You 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 don't really think about like, because you can't see it. You can't see skill mm. until you get on the mat with, with somebody. Mm -hmm. For the most part, you two guys are just standing at a bar. I mean, you don't really think about these things, right? Right. I mean, you if you if you if you pick if if you pick me if you if you grab me and like put me up against like a big bodybuilder dude and be like, all right. Like who who's gonna win in a fight? Like me and this bodybuilder dude. Well, I guess it depends how, how big this guy is. If he's like the mountain, then probably yeah. <laughs> probably probably not win. But um, yeah, you I'm I'm pretty unassuming at that. Um, I, you know, I could I could strangle a guy in like 20 seconds. Yeah, yeah. There's no chance. Yeah. So it's it's pretty assuming, and I I do enjoy that fact that. You know, you don't have to be like this, you know, tatted up dude to to know your stuff. You know, you just I think that gives me a lot of confidence just knowing that, you know, I can I could handle myself in a situation. Yeah. And, uh, no one and no one knows that. Yeah. You know, I I being a secret agent. I, I've been saving this tatted up guy uh story for the climax or sort of, you know. <laughs> Fuck it, let's just get to it, cause that, okay, let's do it. That's we're like, here. That's like, yeah, we're here, and then you keep bringing it up, and I'm like, all right, let's talk about it. Um, we won't, we don't need to call him out because I, it seems like you don't want to name him by his name. I mean, you can, anybody can look him up, but yeah, um, yeah, his name. It's just easier that way. <laughs> yeah, the tatted, the tattooed, the tatted guy. up guy. But when I watched that the first time, I think I had that shit on repeat for like five times. <laughs> And I, I know I'm not the only guy that did that. A YouTube, that YouTube video, whoever, you know, posted the, whoever owns that, like, you know, because when people post things, yeah, get the view counts, whoever, like, has those, like, in their thing, and it, because you, you, you just want to hit repeat all the time because yeah. it's a perfect story if you think about it. If you break it up into a three-act story, you got the, 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 the opening, which is, you know, um, what happened is, you know, the guy you know, mm -hmm. taught you. Then you have the midpoint is, you know, the actual fight or the, you know, getting in the ring. And then the end is like you, you fucking annihilate him. And <laughs> yeah. Just, and I could just keep watching loop for over and over and over. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a definitely a instant karma video yeah. where yeah you just you get all those parts and you see the bad guy being the bad guy good guy being good and yeah. you're like oh shit but but i do have a lot of questions all right so the first question is this um how much of that guy did you study before you went to fight him so it didn't much, it didn't really take much to study him cuz uh we were actually going 
into that fight planning on wrestling him so we wanted to take it to the ground and then beat him up because we knew that he's got like this big he's got like this big overhand right that just smashes people i think i watched one of his fights before that before my fight and um he was losing the fight and he throws like this big right hand that just happened to hit the other guy and then the the, the other guy gets knocked out when he was winning the fight. And um, we just knew we had to get away from that right hand. So we were planning on wrestling him, taking him down. But um, what had happened in the fight was uh, he was standing so close to me that I was, I could not resist punching him. <laughs> so he was like, he was like right in front of my face, super flat footed. And almost like in like a half squat. So I knew he wasn't, he wasn't very mobile. Like I knew if I were to step forward, he wouldn't be able to like react fast because he's so um, flat footed. He's so planted down on the ground. So he's like super close to me. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to punch this guy. All right. So the striking strategy was to um, punch and get away from his right hand. So I was stepping to my right getting away from his right, punching him, bang, 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 hit him a couple of times, hit him with like a head kick or something. And then um, I knew that right hand was going to come at some stage. So keep hitting him down the middle with my left, right, left. And then at the corner of my eye, I see the, I see the wind up for this right hand coming. I was like, bang, hit him with my left. And then I see it. And then I just, I just knew like I got him bang, hit him. And like the, the feeling of my, my right hook on his jaw, it felt like when you get like a roast chicken, like a rotisserie chicken from the store. And you know how you like, you break the drumstick off and it makes like that pop noise. It felt like his jaw, like did that pop noise. And man, I remember vividly when I hit him, it was like the hardest hit i've ever felt in a fight where it's just like it like it was like that wind up like bang (laughs) and it's like this big massive pop explosion and um after that i i just went i don't know i I didn't remember much (laughs) after that point i just remember just like getting pulled off the ref and then like or the the fighter the ref pulling me off and then i jumped I found myself on top of the cage, like with my hands up, like ah, screaming to the crowd. And <laughs> how did, and I remember like, I got up here. I was on top of the cage. I was like, how did I get up here? <laughs> like, this is like double, my, like double my height. Like, how did I jump up here? Holy just, shit. So like pumped up on adrenaline yeah. and stuff. It's just, I just had so much energy. And, and after that, yeah, I knew I could, in that fight, I couldn't lose to this guy. He got into my face and tried to intimidate me. So I'm glad I was able to. Yeah, um, I mean that's put like, the hammer down. That's like one of these, um, one of these stories that go down in the history books. I mean, over and over and over again on loop. And and you know you think about it, you're just like, um, it didn't go down as a n- normal fight. You know, it, it went down. You slaughtered the motherfucker. Yeah. You know, it could have just gone down like, all right, let's go a couple <laughs> rounds here. But it didn't go down that way. No. Uh, 
yeah i i just i just knew i couldn't let this guy win and uh it, it was just just quick reaction time just i just hit him with everything i got and and then after, down. after the fight uh do you go up to him and be a a, a sportsman you know good sportsmanship kind of believe you know uh you go up to him and you know, say sorry because you see in a lot of fights, you know, two guys will make up. Yeah. And did you go up to him and like help him up and shit like that? Um, I'm trying to remember. I I think I think he got helped up by his team, and um, I think I think like after the uh, announcer announced me as the winner, we just kind of like shook hands, and that was that was it. That was the end of it. Damn. Yeah. There was much, not many words after that. And then, yeah, we're trying to get out there as soon as possible because uh, I just didn't know. Like, I, I kind of had the paranoia that something was going to happen, like, out, like in the parking lot or something like that. So oh, I'm just kind of like, shit. With him. Yeah, because you just never know. So you just, I just, I'm, I just remember like hustling to get out of there as soon as I could because it was like, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't want to get my, um, uh, girlfriend at the time, wife now, but uh, yeah, I didn't want to get anyone That's smart, yeah, involved. I was like, oh, I didn't know, like, but yeah, got I, home and celebrated and had a good time. And then the next few days, you're an internet sensation, yeah. Well, it didn't actually go viral like straight after that fight happened, oh, really, so, yeah, yeah. It didn't go viral until like maybe two years after that, and then um. A year, maybe a year, yeah, a year or two years, and then um, I was on a, I was on like a winning streak, uh, so I had like a seven fight win streak. Uh, that YouTube video went viral. Uh, UFC uh, called up, pretty much called up my coach and was like, "Hey, we need a replacement fighter at your weight, Ben, in Adelaide, Australia," and uh, I was just at the right place at the right time. You know, viral video when happened. Uh, it really got my name out, and that was my ticket to the UFC. Wow! Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. It was. You, know, um, you think about that kind of stuff, right? You're like, you know, why would why would why would any company like UFC, NFL pick up anybody? But the the, the real reason is because you bring eyeballs to the game, right? Yeah, exactly. And when you bring eyeballs to the game, it drums up. Like, I mean, Connor is like one of the best examples of that, you mm -hmm. know, just drumming up that excitement and the eyeballs and the, and the, uh, you know, the, the goodwill of the people that they would just want to see this go down. Um, and so when you say it was your ticket to the UFC, uh, that contributed that, that fight, that, uh, viral sen sensation mm -hmm. contributed to, eyeballs wanting to see what what happens in your career at the ufc right yeah because yeah like you said ken like there's it, like there's no reason for the ufc to get you unless you put eyeballs on tv right so you really have to get yourself out there get yourself exposed and um be able to f uh find a way to get noticed and it's really hard in in my sport of MMA because there's so many fighters, right? There's so many people that want to be a fighter and um, 
to get yourself noticed in such a big crowd, it, it, it can be really tricky. And um, I just, you know, I just had like the the right, I was just in the right place, the right time. You know, I had a seven fight win streak, mm. which, you know, showed that, you know, I could fight, actually fight. Um, I was in Australia. So uh, I'm actually, you know, American, Vietnamese, um, living in Australia, had like a working visa in Australia as well. So that's like a, a major bonus, right? Just having to bypass all that visa stuff to be able to fight on the UFC. And um, yeah, the viral video thing happened. So that really showed that, you know, I could put eyes onto the show and onto the UFC and stuff. So it was, it was just the right combination of things at the right time. Yeah. So um, how long were you in the UFC for? uh for about four years so that's a long did time seven fights yeah how seven seven fights yeah seven fights with dfc and um i got to uh number eight in my division uh flyweight division in the ufc that's a uh that's a pretty big accomplishment um from some kid from sioux falls <laughs> thank you thank yeah. you Huge. yeah yeah, and you know, I love repping my hometown, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. You know, coming from such a small town, um, and being Vietnamese, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's that's something I'm really proud of. Like the small town boy, um, Vietnamese guy, you know, made it to the top. Yeah, I I don't know if you realize uh, how many young Vietnamese men and women. Um, you affected at one point or another you know in the last few years of your life i mean do you think about it do you uh you know do you do you get letters or emails yeah i was just about to say yeah i was uh i do get letters and or messages these days you know on social media it's like hey ben you know you really inspired me to pick up martial arts and um um you really a big uh, role model for me. Thank you for that. And like those sort of messages, like are the reason why I do the sport because I, I I love you know being able to inspire someone to to do what they love and um uh yeah it's uh, such a good feeling. Yeah, um, have you been in Vietnam? Yeah, I've been I've been there many many times. Um, many times as a kid, and then. Uh, many times um, going uh, uh, be- before COVID, obviously. Yeah. So, <laughs> what, what gym do you train at and what, what do you go to Vietnam for? Uh, usually when I go to Vietnam, um, I, uh, I, go, I go train at uh, Saigon Sports Club, mm-hmm. um, which is, is uh, one of, uh, I'm really good friends with the guys that train there and the whole team there have, have been really nice to me, so always end up there and um i put on a couple seminars and stuff when i'm out there yeah uh, but yeah the training out there is is really man and the mma scene out in vietnam in general is like is what, what when i went out there maybe four years ago it was like blowing up man it was like who's responsible for that who is responsible? I don't think it's anyone's responsibility, but like I feel like martial okay, I arts. Well, I guess what I meant was, is there like one or two, three guys that are like really pushing it uh, at 
at that training center or in Saigon in general? Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think, um, I think the, the, the guys at Saigon sports club, like they were there, they were the first people to, to really get like an actual MMA gym going. And then they, they put together like this amazing, like world-class gym. All right. So like this massive area, they've got like a nice gym, like a nice weights gym and like a pool and stuff, a cage mats and stuff. So it was like a really professional gym. And then you have all like these like little grassroots places and that just have like just a mat on like under a hut or something. <laughs> and um, yeah. And, and um, I did a seminar at one of those type of gyms and then um, we had a, we had, we just like put on like a demonstration for them. So like I, I went in and like, spawned with like one of one or two of the the guys from that gym and there was like a massive crowd there just wanting to watch yeah and um just put on like a little mini seminar you know taught them a couple things and i remember riding my scooter home back then trying to like navigate the streets of uh you know ho chi minh city and stuff and i was like man that was like probably one of the best feelings was like just just um being able to pass on my knowledge to yeah. like my fellow countrymen and stuff mm-hmm. like that so um and and realizing how uh, much of a following there is in vietnam for mma it was like there's so much there's so much uh love for the sport here yeah. Yeah. and i just think i feel like it's fighting and martial arts just I don't know this it, it's in our blood i think we just we we just grew up with it just ingrained in our dna you know f- just from the fighting that vietnamese culture have have been through the years how many how long will it take for a fighter to come out of vietnam uh, that can compete on the world stage or has it has have we already produced that um yeah, I think um, as far as like in boxing, I know we've we've got a we've got a few good guys in in boxing, um, in MMA. You know, we have you know Martin, Martin Martin Win, and um, you know myself, and um, you know so- Kung Lee. Kung Lee is like being probably the number one famous guy for Vietnam, but like, but that's um, only three, right? That I can think of, three yeah. uh, of the men. But I mean. Um, we're talking about like in Vietnam, not, not out like homegrown, homegrown. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Do we, do you see any homegrown or let me ask you a different question. Do you think, are are we close to having homegrown, uh, world-class fighters? And I'll, and I'll, I'll tell you why I asked that after you answer. I feel like we, maybe in the next couple of years i think i think um we do have a chance uh, i think uh we just need uh yeah i just uh, the, i think mma just got uh, became legalized like to have actual shows mm-hmm. in vietnam just became legal and, and once 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 that happened uh i think we there was like one or two shows and then COVID, you know, COVID happened, 
it's it's kind of weird so um uh, but you would ex- expect like after covid and stuff there'll be more shows uh more of these like amateur level shows that people can get ready get ready for fights and stuff like that and um have a goal set in mind to be able to get ready for something so once you have the, those aspects set um you'll see the skill level in mma for vietnam to grow and grow and grow so right now it's just uh too hard to be able to compete in mma in in vietnam so once once the shows become more more and more shows um i think we'll be able to see um where it goes from there yeah the the reason i ask is this you have gracie that family here all over uh yep north america south america they're everywhere uh their whole family have branched out and created these centers for amazing jujitsu i i can't imagine uh that there's not other uh lineages or dynasties of 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 martial arts families that are created sort of in um in the united states and all Mm -hmm. over you know and so there's these traditions that have been here for i don't know maybe three four generations now and so they've competed and they've taught how to kind of like dominate on the world class level is that happening in vietnam other than you martin and kung lei and you know um andy you know on the female side and all yeah you know other than those i mean what kind of traditions and what kind of dynasties and families do we have that are training inside of vietnam to get us to the world class level yeah it's 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 hard because you know uh just growing up in a vietnamese family you kind of expected to take on traditional jobs um not you know especially not in fighting and stuff so um it's just it's just right now i feel like it's almost taboo to be a fighter and to to train uh martial arts well not to train martial arts but to to do like fighting um it just became legal so it's just I, I feel like it's still in its infancy stage where um, it's the sport is still growing and it's still being accepted in Vietnam. So it's just really hard. Whereas like in Brazil, uh, it, doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was in, and fighting and stuff is like, like way, way more acceptable mm-hmm. in Brazil. It's like, man it's I like mean, their everyday life over there yeah. like fighting and fighting on the streets yeah, yeah. football you know, yeah. the sport you know sport in general is 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 very um um looked up upon theirs but in vietnam it's is it's kind of like expected to just you know get like a, a normal yeah normal job over over there but but that's that must be a, a really cool feeling too to think about sort of your individual history as part of just a, f- a handful literally a handful of vietnamese men um that are that have gone down that road it's pretty pretty mind-blowing if you think about it yeah i, I guess yeah i i sometimes forget you know where i i came from and stuff and it 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 does make me feel pretty proud that you know i'm only you know one of really a few people to be able to compete such a high level. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I for, forgive me, I, I might, um, uh, I might be butchering this, but who else was in? Who's who other? What other Vietnamese made it to the UFC? Um, uh, myself and I think, yeah, just Kung Lee. 
Kung Lee was first, uh, and then yeah, me, I came after him. There's I don't think two. there is any Vietnamese people in the UFC Martin, right now. Martin's not fighting in the UFC. No, he's with yeah, he's with one championship, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I think. What's Andy doing nowadays? I haven't seen her. She. Yet. And- Andy has a competition. She has a fight uh, in July uh, in Italy. Okay. Uh, in Italy. Italy. Okay. Cool. In Italy. Oh, I think I know the promotion. I forget the name, but yeah, I think I know. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, and then I think there's uh, uh, B Win. Do you know her? She fights in uh, one championship. Yeah, too. she fought Andy in the. I think Europe. she fought Andy twice. Yeah. yeah it was a big rivalry. Right, yeah. Big rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the two of them what what is it like living in australia uh for you uh living in australia is um you know compared to america it's very similar you know we're very uh uh there's two countries that uh kind of have a lot of uh immigrants and stuff so there's a lot of asians here as well as is in america um there's there's a lot of I live in Brisbane, so I live in Queensland, like a, a warmer, it's a it's a warmer, summier, uh, beachier type of area, and um, yeah, uh, living in Australia, you know, you, you think you see all like the red dirt and the kangaroos and stuff, but it's it's nothing, it's nothing like that. Here. So it's it's very tropical, subtropical. You know, there's palm. Looking out out my window, I see like palm trees and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, it's very green and. Um, it's very similar to the United States where we're like a, you know, everyone works like a normal nine to five job. Uh, everyone drives cars like in America. So we actually like, it's a, it's a driving country. So everyone has a car and drives to work and um, drives to get around. It's not like, you know, you in, in Vietnam, you have to you know, drive a scooter or if you're in Japan, you have to take the train and stuff. So, it's very similar to that aspect, um, and 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 the food is pretty much the same. same. Like we're we're eating like the same like stuff, yeah. um, but like the the cultures here, you, there's there's so many different cultures. You know, you go you go you go into like West Sydney, and oh my gosh, have you have you heard of like um, what it's like over there in like Sydney and stuff? I've been to Sydney and Melbourne. Oh, okay years back i uh, spent two weeks in australia and uh it had a great time it felt like home yeah yeah so yeah people are friendly here uh there's so many different cultures you know you, like i was saying you go into west sydney into like cabramatta and stuff it's like it's like Viet, like little little saigon man it's like everything is in vietnamese and it's so nice to be able to be able to go into those like those suburbs and just like get a bowl of pho or something like that yeah. so do, um, do you feel the is there racism what what does that feel like in in australia compared to sioux falls um man i feel, I feel like there isn't too like i haven't experienced too much racism here in in australia um especially like in in brisbane so brisbane's more of like a they call it like a bogan uh, city as a bogan is a, like redneck it's like the rednecks of australia brisbane uh, but, yeah but it's it's not i i haven't really experienced like much racism myself and um when it is it's just more like haha like it's more like 
it's more like are you gonna eat like rice with your hamburger or something like so like stu- like yeah, stupid jokes like that just yeah. it doesn't really affect or hurt hurt you but it's, just, it's more like a joke like haha funny but well, um why, why did you agree to move to australia why not uh bring your wife to the u.s oh yeah so um i just followed her to australia so me and my wife we met in thailand i was living there on the tiger muay thai team and then she did like a training camp there um just just on like vacation or holiday and um we just met each other in like a like a boat cruise so it was like a like a boat cruise on christmas day that was planned and then um we just hit it off and we did long distance for a, a long time and i followed her back to australia and i got a, like a, a a job as a coach mma coach here and um i don't know i just felt like uh when i got here everything just started to come into place for me you know i was i found a really good coach you know the coach that gave me my black belt um he was a really good coach and um, i was really getting the training that i needed uh i got you know i got into the ufc here uh, I, I just kind of fell into everything kind of fell into place for me when i got here and um i probably will live here the rest of my life because it's wow. just super nice here it's just i feel really safe um you know i've uh, i've got everything that i need here you know i got really good training um the food's here great um the weather is really nice Perfect especially weather. especially compared to south dakota and it's like brutally cold up there super cold and don't, miss don't have to shovel don't have to like scrape off my windscreen yeah. to um you don't miss any of it stuff. I don't miss it. No, I don't it miss it. <laughs> no. Have you lived in the snow before? It sucks. <laughs> no, I've, I've stayed for vacation, you know, uh, yeah. New York, Chicago, yeah. or in the mountains here in California, but I'm, I can't imagine, you know, it's yeah. novelty for me. Yeah. I mean, try, try shoveling a whole driveway to get your car out, man. It's just, it sucks. Yeah. Not fun, so what, what's, miss it. what's next? What's uh, up for you in the future? near future um so right now with covid uh, it's just it's just too hard to go overseas um to go f- fight like they want uh japan wanted me to go do like three weeks quarantine before my fight you know it's like no i don't want to do that and then have to quarantine on the way back so i'm just kind of um, fighting's just just kind of yeah i'm just waiting just waiting for borders to open up and stuff and um, so kind of going into a, a coaching role. So I'm, I've been coaching uh, MMA. Me and my wife just opened up our own academy called oh, Strike wow. Combat Academy. So, um, yeah, thanks. What, what and, is it? Um, Can you tell me what, what the uh, academy is? It's called Strike Combat Academy. So, uh, yeah, me, the wife does martial arts, boxing as well. She was like a, a regional champ for a while there and she's uh she's really really good at what she does so me and my me and the wife just got together and like oh, let's just start up our own academy and how long has it been um a couple months so we're just kind of this in the soft open stage right now yeah and, and uh, is covid an issue for that no no we we got it pretty good here we do get uh we do get 
um, scares, you know, the where the city might shut down for a couple days, but um, it's pretty manageable. I mean, we, uh, I think the entire country has like less than a hundred COVID deaths. Wow, so it's pretty manageable here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's felt like nothing has changed throughout the whole COVID year. Yeah, since. Yeah, a year ago from today, like felt like we've just been the same. So we've really got it under control here in Australia. How many yeah. more years do you think you'll be like at this professionally? Yeah, so I think about that a lot. Um, I feel like I got about, I don't want to put a number on it, but like maybe five years, yeah. five so years. And do you, do you, do you feel, um, a big difference from year to year or is it from like fight to fight? I feel, man, I, I don't, I don't really feel for, from year to year, um, and from fight to fight. Um, I don't know, like taking a couple years off with COVID and stuff, I, yeah. I felt like I was able to give my body mm, a rest, some time to rest. And now I feel like I've got that itch to fight again. And um, yeah, I can't wait to get back into it and really start to train and get that discipline and have a goal to train for yeah. and stuff like that, that, that excites me. That part as an, as an athlete, like makes me excited because I, I love just having like a routine every day and waking up every day knowing, all right, I got to knock out three workouts today or, or whatever. And that's my only focus. Um, and, and yeah, that's what I like about being an athlete. How do you stay motivated when you get really um, tired or, you know, mentally you're just like, this is bullshit. And you're just like, <laughs> how do you yeah, we all, was that say again? How do you get over humps like that? Humps like that. Oh man, we we all we all have, have those days where we're like, oh man, we just don't want to do this. But um, I guess it's just it's just disciplined in me so hard, so ingrained in me that I it it I don't really think about it much. It's like I don't even give myself the choice to mm. be able to back out of something because you know when you like wake up and you're like. Man, I could really just stay in bed, but I should go to training. I don't give myself that option. I'll just like get out of bed and like start going into routine and it's just I'm like almost on autopilot, you know. So it's just um my yeah, I guess my my uh recommendation is just like just try to stick have consistent training schedule, you know, like don't give yourself the option to back out just just go in and do it train however many times you want a week try to hit you know whatever your how many workout goals in the whole week and just do that over and over and just just get used to it and just and you just that's where the discipline comes in is is um you just don't think about having that the choice to do a workout or not you just do it just yeah. because it's second nature to you it's just like it's like waking up brushing your teeth and you just you just go wake up and do it you don't think about do it 
to try to do it or not or you just do it because because <laughs> it's i don't know if we do it every day so yeah it's not a big deal that's what you do what what's the difference in your mind uh, between sort of uh talent natural talent or practice i mean do you weigh one more than the other or do you think that they're actually really both necessary to have or not really or is it just pure training that you can get to to become a like a top-notch champion you gotta have well you gotta have some talent you know you gotta be able to pick up things pretty naturally um to perform at a high level uh, but most of it is just that hard work man it's just all about repetition having a, having a growth mindset mm. and knowing that all right i might have messed up in this fight or might have lost this fight but there's what can we do to get better it's all about getting better what what we can do to better ourselves and grow and instead of thinking all right i gotta do x x i gotta do x amount to be able to produce y or whatever it's gotta be it's gotta be like all right did i do better than last time all right that's awesome let's just let's keep doing that or let's we gotta change things around to to grow faster or whatever yeah you know i've always wanted to to ask somebody about and i think i'm gonna keep asking this question about um your record and not your record but a record in in fighting Mm -hmm. it's not it, it feels like to me when i think about records they're not about um how many times you've won or lost but it's like it's almost like streaks are important and who you fought or how much short sort of excitement you've been able to drum up in the last few fights what what's the most important things about having a record win loss whatever is it even important to a fighter? Yeah. Well, it depends on what you value. Like, do you value the the challenges that you've had in your record? You might you might have someone with a record that that's just all wins, but like you go and click on these guys' names and they've had like no fights or they've lost a bunch of fights or they weren't very good. Um, I, I, in general, would rather have a quality record where, you know, I've, I've, uh, won fights against really good guys. Um, but if I lost against a guy that was really good, yeah. you know, it's not a big deal because he was really good. He was, you know, the champion at one stage or, yeah. or whatever, whatever. I'd rather have that than have like a, mm. they call a padded record where you fight all these like tin cans. So um, it just depends on what you value. So, you know, having a, an awesome record where you have, you know, undefeated, whatever, whatever, and um, um, you have like this big win streak and that, that might be great. And, but you're going to get to a stage where you fight a really good guy and you're like, and you lose and they're like, what happens next? And like, <laughs> um, it can bring you down sometimes. So having experienced like wins and losses, uh, I think when when I see a record, I'm like, and I'm like, I look at the quality guys that these guys fought. Like that's what I'm looking at instead of like all these wins. Yeah. So it just depends on what you value. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I've, I never thought of it that way. I keep thinking of it in terms of how much excitement or how many seats you can fill in the stadium, you know, when I when I think about these things. But, like, on a personal level, it sounds you've got it figured out uh, what you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, some people are going to want, like, a bigger record to be able to propel them up to the next stage or make more money or whatever. Um, that might be great, but... Um, I think when it comes down to like uh, when you're looking at it as a professional or as like a, say a matchmaker for a fight, um, you should be able to like look at someone's record and be like, all right, this guy might pair up really good. If I'm matching a fight with, for a fight show, I'm like this guy might match up really well with this guy. Cause he's fought like these guys and he's, they've fought like the same guy, but this guy lost it. Like you kind of try to do, yeah. do all this math and stuff, yeah. but you should be able to like look at a guy's record and be able to tell uh, and get a snapshot of what good he is. quality fighter they are based on who, who they fought Interesting, or how they've won or whatever. You know? So, so yeah. It, it comes down just like to expert or just having that knowledge and, and knowing um, the fight game. And yeah. Speaking of the fight game, how much of those pre, uh, those weigh-in uh, pre-fight scuffles are real? How much are they? Man, I bet you a large percentage of them are real because when you're, when you're on the scales and you know you spent the whole day you haven't eaten for 24 hours you haven't drank water for 24 hours you sat in a sauna losing water you know you're trying to lose all because when you when you weigh in you're trying to like be a, a, as light as you can so you you dehydrate you purposely dehydrate yourself to lose this weight on the day and then right when you step on a scale weigh in you pretty much rehydrate you're back up to your normal weight that's just the just part of the sport it's, it sounds really dumb but it's just part of the sport what's the point of uh, it so the point of it so is to be as big as you can on the day of your fight so you have 24 hours to recover from the after the weigh-in so there's um 24 hour period from weigh-in to the fight that's that's your day to kind of replenish and put everything back on oh wow so yeah you you go in and so i fight at 125 but i walk around at like 140 145 um but i don't want to fight like people 145 because people at 145 are going to be cutting down from like you know 170 180 and stuff so you gotta be able to make you got to lose the weight to get down to that next weight bracket so you want to be as big as you can on fight day um so to answer your question if those fights are real or not like i would imagine they are real because like you, you get on those scales and it might be the first time you see your opponent and you're really hungry you're really dehydrated you just want to like kill you just you you're you're not a nice person in that at that stage hmm. so, <laughs> get those two guys together you know you're gonna be fighting him the next day so it's there's gonna be some friction <laughs> um what what can you briefly talk about your your training camp and what goes on uh before a fight how much prep is involved 
yeah so um you'll get you get uh paired up in a fight so you you'll get your contract sign it whatever sign it send it in and then they accept it and then fights on when you know the fights on uh you basically well basically you want to start your fight camp like eight weeks out from the fight uh and it's only to be able to get in like this really top shape that you can't be in hundred like all the time yeah. right you can't be like at your best shape like all day every day um you can only peak for so long until your body just gives you know, up shuts down yeah it's just too hard um but i i am training like all year round and stuff it's just when i peak uh, I'm, I'm i'm spending like eight weeks to get into that peak shape and condition because you want to be at your peak when you're fighting someone um so it starts about eight weeks out and just kind of slowly starts out kind of slow and then it's progressive and then and goes into like more sparring you're just doing more actual mma stuff so less running less skipping rope or swimming and then it just turns into more just a lot of sparring a lot of drilling just doing the actual sport as a as a workout instead of doing weights and stuff so it just kind of starts out doing more exercise general exercise into like more sparring and and what about in those eight weeks do you analyze the opponent on film or anything yeah, you do a little bit of uh, research on them. Um, it just depends on your team. So a lot of people, a lot of fighters I know don't like to watch tape on their opponents because um, they don't want to. Because uh, when you look up you look up your opponent, you usually see like highlights of them and you see them at their best. So when you watch a guy, your opponent fight before your fight, um, you can kind of sometimes you can make a monster out of what you've seen you're like oh man this guy's really good like and it just grows and grows so um, some fighters don't like to watch tape and they'll just pass it on to the coaches to do all the research and and stuff um, I I watch a little bit of tape probably not as much as I should but um, like I did with the tattoo guy I watched a little bit of tape on him and was able to figure him out quite quick but you kind of get a sense of like all right am i fighting a grappler or a striker yeah that's kind of like two uh basic concepts but now it's now modern mma is starting to evolve everyone knows uh, striking really well everyone knows wrestling really well so um it's it's and it, it can be hard to pick out like weaknesses and strengths sometimes because fighters these days are like really well-rounded what they do. Like they might, you, you, you're seeing a lot of guys are excelling at both the ground uh, grappling and kickboxing, striking and stuff like that. So sometimes it, it, it's, it's hard to pick out uh, strength and weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to go back in time, not to say that you would regret, but if you were to go back in time and you were able to change a few things, what would they be? Oh man. Like straight what up, would it be? Back, you think back and you're like, I would have done that differently. I wouldn't have, you know, uh, that way. Um, I'm probably like in my early, early stages of training MMA. Uh, we would get, in, we would, we would spar really, really hard, like close to like knocking each other out in training and practice. 
Like we would get super close into knocking each other silly. And um, with with all like the professional athletes these days coming out with, uh, you see people like NFL people uh, coming out with like CTE and stuff and suicides, and it's getting a bit scary with all the head trauma stuff. So, so that would- um, I wish I wouldn't have gotten into those scuffles in training. Yeah. You know, I, and um that uh, that might have impacted that might impact my mental health later down the future but um who knows it's you just don't know but like um now with with training and um head trauma i really try to avoid sparring really hard um usually there's like no there's no um benefit to sparring that hard like you don't need to hit each other that hard anymore <laughs> like you're gonna get enough trauma inside the ring as it is like try to save yourself so you don't have to get hit as much yeah are there um words that you would um tell your children if you one day when you have kids would you tell them and encourage them to do this, <laughs> or would you tell them not to? don't be a fighter <laughs> would you would you tell them not to do it uh if they really wanted to be a fighter, I will let them. Like we, me and me and the wife have this, you know, have conversation because we're, you know, we're both we both come from a combat uh, background. So uh, we, if they want to do fighting, they gotta be a certain age to get um, head trauma and stuff like that. So they gotta be like uh, eighteen plus to to like step into the ring and punch each other they can like wrestle and grapple and stuff that's fine yeah like, they can do that oh, um, but i'm not gonna like push them into fighting if they don't want to do it they don't want to do it if they want to become a, a basketball player they can become a basketball yeah. player like, i don't care like that's that's cool with me like, yeah. as long as they, they're doing their something that they love to do like, that's, you, you know that's uh, all that matters a, a, a question I've always wanted to know too is how do you pick your fights? Um, is there a process? Like how do they? How do who approaches you for a okay. fight? How does that back end? Yeah, work? yeah, yeah. So in the UFC, they've got a matchmaker. They've got a special matchmaker. Uh, they've got actually they have two matchmakers. So one guy does all the bigger weights, and one guy does like all the smaller weights. Uh, matchmaker will will uh drop a fight and he'll pretty much send a contract out to both fighters to see if they want to fight and uh, so it goes through my agent my agent then tells me hey you want to fight this guy um or not and um you pretty much say yes or no say yes the contract sign send the con- signed contract in and then if the other guy says yes, sends his in, then fight's on. Um, and um, but they match the guys. They have matchmakers that match do the matches, and, and it's think, pretty evenly matched. Uh for for the for the most part, yes, it is. Yeah, I feel like they do a pretty good job matchmaking and putting together some interesting fights. What happens if you yeah. say no? Say no. Um, say yeah just say no nah, don't want to do that fight or um 
uh, or like you say, yeah, just, yeah, it's like, no, <laughs> just say no. And, yeah. and it's fine. Um, they- but in the UFC, in, in the UFC, it's tough to say no because they, if you say no, they, they might, they could put you on like the back burner for a while. So it just, you want to, yeah, you want to usually want to say yes. <laughs> Interesting. Have you ever said yeah. that? Have I said no? Uh, just on like occasions where, you know, I was injured or uh, I, I had something planned for that date or something. Yeah, usually, yeah. When when that, well, yeah, what when I've said no, it's like, yeah, it's like something wrong with me. <laughs> what about the, the, the price tag of a fight? Do Is that all like uh, ordered way like before you sit down and do contracts, like the bigger contracts, the general contract? Like a, you get a five fight contract and this yeah. is what you get? Yeah. So yeah, that all that all that's drawn up ahead. So you have like a con. I'll have a contract with UFC, and then they'll have like their, you know, pay and stuff. Like this is how much you make when you show up to fight. This is how much you make if you win the fight, and then the next fight you'll get a pay raise if you won the last fight or whatever. Whatever just depends on what your agreement is and your contract that, and stuff. Like that's that. like way in the beginning though, right? Yeah, that's like that's like the beginning um when you first sign with the ufc or you re-sign with the ufc and then when they drop a fight contract then that's more about like who you're going to be fighting on what day but you've already known the money and all of that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all the money and stuff is like it's already settled out. yeah all done and figured out yeah well, um, Ben, I, I've had a terrific time with you um, today. Oh, my gosh. It's been an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. Wow. We can Happy go on. Bye. There's There's so many more, uh, always more questions. You know, there's always more. Um, I, I definitely um, covered, I think a lot of the questions I had were peppered in uh, to the, you answered a lot of them um, in the early part. Okay, good. Interviews, yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah, is there anything else you want to add to the uh, to our talk? Mm. No, I think we covered uh, everything, man. I think that was uh, pretty good. We covered a lot of subjects. And... Yeah, there were things that you covered. You 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 brief. Like for example, what kinds of things that go goes through your mind after a loss? Like you've you've talked about that in in a way that it was better than me asking the question. Oh. Yeah, earlier. Okay, yeah, it's, there's a lot of things that that I've written, and I'm looking at these notes as we're as we're looking at it. Um, you know, it, it, it's very enlightening enlightening to hear these uh, uh, details um, coming from you. Yeah, um, yeah, well, I was really excited to come on today and just be able to talk about, you know, being Vietnamese and being a professional athlete, and um, yeah, I just love being able to represent our culture yeah and, you're um, definitely one of the tor- in one of my passions yeah you're one, definitely one of the torchbearers uh in the, in the fight game in the vietnamese community i mean there's a handful of you and uh it's like you're a pioneer in the um in the uh, fight game for the vietnamese community. <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah man it's funny because like i forget about you know where i've come from and yeah. who i am sometimes and it's it's good to be reminded yeah and uh, a show like mine will live for years and years and years and 
the kids that are coming up can be inspired by it. They can look up my show and they can see Andy and they can see you. And, you know, I hope to get the other guys on, um, you know, very soon and have a record of um, the early fighters that we have in our community. Awesome, man. Well, um, I'm glad to be able to share my experiences with you and um, especially, you know, with your show being new and stuff and, um, yeah, like I said, I was really excited to be on today and be able to speak about being Vietnamese and being a pro athlete. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you. And I welcome you at any time. If you have um, anything coming up, you know, feel free to reach out and, you know, we can sit down and, and go at it some more. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, let me know. Hopefully there's another tattooed. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that down, would... down the road, maybe like a rematch or something. Yeah, like that. that would be cool. <laughs> wonderful yeah. man well thank you so much again and uh you know good luck with everything uh with the studio and uh we'll talk soon all right thanks man all right see Bye you next time okay all right thank you for listening to the vietnamese with kenneth Wynn. the vietnamese is produced by Brittany tran and javier proenza special thanks to jane Wynn, Catherine Wynn, tina fam sydney jamie and crystal trin please find us on instagram facebook and tiktok at the Vietnamese podcast. You can also find us on YouTube where you can subscribe, like, and comment. Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcast. Thanks again for listening. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.